Glad to have you here this morning, and uh, now we turn to Brother Neil Saraski and listen to his inspiring message. Shalom, and thank you for allowing me to join you this morning, April 19th, 2020, in the middle of our quarantine, in the middle of our self-isolation, uh, we are still able to meet together, and it's such a blessing. My name is Rabbi Neil Saraski, and I'm with Chosen People Ministries. My wife and I are Jewish believers, and we came to faith while looking for somebody who could officiate at our wedding. Ever since then, it's been an incredible uh, roller coaster ride with the Lord uh, in bringing the gospel to the Jewish people, which is what the Lord had put on my heart the very day we were saved. It's the same heart that Paul had when he, after expressing the fact that the only way to a relationship with God, the Father, was through uh, the Son. He realized that his Jewish brothers and sisters didn't have this. This is all found in Romans 9 through 11, where Paul expresses his heart for his, uh, his Jewish brothers and sisters. This was our heart, and this is the heart of Chosen People Ministries. Founded in 1894 by a rabbi who came to faith uh, in his native Hungary, uh, came to the United States and started passing out tracts on the streets of Brooklyn. In 1892, Rabbi Leopold Cohen passed an open door to a church on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and heard someone preaching the gospel in Yiddish, the language of his Jewish-Hungarian homeland. After reading the New Testament he received from the young Jewish preacher, Rabbi Cohen gave his life to Jesus and became deeply burdened for the salvation of his fellow Jewish people. This was the birth of Chosen People Ministries. Rabbi Cohen began reaching out to the tens of thousands of poor Eastern European Jewish immigrants. Under his inspired leadership, the mission he founded provided food and clothing, taught English and sewing classes, offered medical care, and shared the good news of Jesus the Messiah. Rabbi Cohen understood the importance of not only sharing the gospel with words, but also by showing the love of Jesus to his chosen people. As a result, many Jewish people came to faith. Rabbi Cohen's son, Joseph Hoffman Cohen, succeeded him, and Chosen People Ministries continued to grow. Headquartered in the heart of New York City, which has the highest concentration of Jewish people in the world, Chosen People Ministries also ministers in over 20 cities throughout North America. Although our world has changed since the days of Leopold Cohen, our mission statement remains the same. Our mission is to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people everywhere and help fellow believers do the same. This great historic work stands on the sure word of Scripture, especially Romans 1.16, where the Apostle Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We plant Messianic congregations, centers, and Jewish ministries on college campuses. We organize Messianic children's camps, conduct social media gospel campaigns, and bring dozens on short-term mission trips in the United States, Israel, and other places where Israelis travel. We also equip both Jewish and Gentile believers through our Messianic Jewish Studies program, Bible conferences, church presentations, and producing books and training materials. 
In addition to the United States, our work has expanded to 17 countries. And Brazil is next. Our work in Israel is extensive. Chosen People Ministries is one of the largest mission agencies operating in the Holy Land. It includes ministry to Holocaust survivors, running a children's camp for Israeli children, operating food and clothing distribution sites, and two messianic centers. We also send teams of young people annually to encourage Israelis and assist our staff in their outreaches. Here are some ways you can help Pray for Chosen People Ministries. We covet your prayers as we reach God's chosen people. And you can support the work of Chosen People Ministries by giving today. We cannot serve the United States and the 16 other countries around the globe without your generosity. Thank you for your partnership. And we look forward to the next season of our ministry and working together with you to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. If you believe that the only way to the Father is through the Son, then you have to understand that the Jewish people need to hear the gospel. That's what we're trying to do. And there's very few times during the year that are better suited to bringing the gospel uh, of Jesus to the Jewish people than during this Passover season. The Passover season begins by removing leaven from the homes um, with the anticipation of having what we call a Passover Seder. The Passover Seder, Seder is a Hebrew word from the word that means order, so it's an order of service. Uh, The Passover Seder is constructed around four promises that God made to the children of Israel when they were in bondage in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, God says to Moses, I will free you from the burden of the Egyptians. I will deliver you with mighty acts and judgments. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, and I will take you to be my people, and I shall be your God. These four promises are, uh, are what this Passover Seder is all built around. Each cup, uh, each promise is represented by a cup of wine or the fruit of the vine. There are two cups that take place before dinner, and there are two cups that take place after dinner. The cup of freedom, or uh, what we refer to as the cup of sanctification, is the first one. The cup, the second cup, is the cup of plagues or the cup of deliverance. The third cup, which is the cup after the meal, is the cup of redemption. And the fourth cup is the cup of praise, or, or the cup of Hallel, because God has chosen us to be his people, and there's no, no better reason to praise God than the fact that he has taken us to be his own, and he is our God. Amen? So four cups representing the four promises. <clears throat> so let's, let's talk about those. Um, remember that the Jewish people do this every single year. When I was growing up, we actually had two Passover seders every year. The first night was at my uh, Aunt Bobby and Uncle Artie's house, and the second night was at my Aunt Ellie and Uncle Nari's house. Uh, And it was such a wonderful, tremendous, big deal, Uh, but it really had very little spiritual meaning. We read through something called the Haggadah, which is uh, the Hebrew word for the telling, and in this Haggadah, you would go through 
all of the different elements of Passover and essentially retell the story of the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt. We're going to do that right now, but we're going to do it using these four cups. The first cup, the first promise was, I will free you. We, we typically remember the fact that God freed the children of Israel. We remember that. Uh, but we typically don't remember what he freed them for. God always has a plan. He always has a purpose. And, and whether we can see it or not, it's always there. And in the scriptures, we can see the purpose for God freeing the children of Israel from the bondage in Egypt. If you remember the very first time that Moses went before Pharaoh, we, this, this is where we see the, the, the purpose for the freedom. God said to Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So Moses goes to Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. And most of us remember that. Let my people go. You know, that's the Charlton Heston version. Um, but the very first time Moses went into Pharaoh, it was not just let my people go. Moses said, let my people go that we can worship the Lord our God in the wilderness for three days. So God's purpose in the freedom of the children of Israel was so that they would be able and free to worship him. Now, we also know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if that is true, and we know that's true, then his purposes and his plan then should be the same as his purposes and his plan today. And that's exactly what we see. Because in our freedom from bondage to sin, God's purpose for our freedom is exactly the same as it was then. God sets us free from our bondage to sin in order to be able to worship him. Now that's going to make us a little different. It's going to make us separate. It's going to differentiate us from the rest of the world if we, because of our freedom um, due to our faith in, in Jesus the Messiah, worship the Lord our God when everybody else is sort of doing their own thing. They're worshiping their own gods, uh, the God of shopping, the God of television, uh, or in the case of other religions, different, you know, different gods, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, all these other, other, you know, religions. We look different. We act different. We speak different. We even meet differently. And that's why this cup, this first cup, this first promise is called the cup of sanctification. Sanctification comes from the Hebrew word that means holy, kadosh. And so God sets us free to be able to worship him. And that makes us different. It made the children of Israel different. And it makes us different today as well. So that first cup starts the whole process off. In Judaism, it also sets apart, makes different this time, this Passover Seder meal, because it was a very special time. It was actually the fulfillment of a command when God says that you will remember this. In fact, it's really all about the children, because God says in that day, when your child asks you about this, this is what you'll say to them. And so we're starting this off by, by being different. You'll find that most of the world isn't celebrating Passover. They're not having a Passover Seder. So we are, just in the fact that we're doing this, being different and illustrating this perfect fulfillment uh, of, the, of the first cup in our freedom to worship God in spirit and in truth. The second cup 
is known as the cup of deliverance or the cup of plagues. Of course, you cannot think about the Passover without thinking about these 10 plagues. Now, the thing to remember about these plagues is that deliverance came because of these 10 events that God allowed into the life of, of, of Egypt, in the life of the Israelites. The first plague was the plague of blood. Remember, the Nile turned to blood. The last plague was the death of the firstborn. And the scripture says that every household in Egypt was afflicted by this, this plague, this death of the firstborn. The only ones who were not affected by this plague were those who put the blood on the door frames and lintels of their homes. The effect of this blood that was provided by a lamb that was sacrificed was that when the angel of death came through the city that night, it would see the blood and pass them over. Now remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if the angel of death saw the blood of the lamb then and passed them by, the principle should be the same today. And in fact, it is. Because now, when the lamb of God, who John refers to as Jesus, was slain, his blood now was painted on our hearts. The effect, though, is still exactly the same. When death sees the blood that is painted on our hearts, that was provided by the sacrifice of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, death passes us over. That is, in fact, how we have eternal life, because of the shed blood of the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Now, I never did see this. Remember, the, the Passover for me was just a time for, for getting together with family, for eating a lot of good food. That was awesome. And it never had anything to do with spirituality until after my eyes were opened and I was finally able to see how the Messiah is painted so clearly in this Passover. The other thing about these plagues and this came to me quite a while afterwards, is that Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. If you think about the 10 plagues, the first plague is blood. The last plague is the death of the firstborn. Jesus is, in fact, the first plague and the last plague. He is the first and the last for us always. That would bring us now to a meal. The meal in the time of Jesus would have been a lamb. The scripture says that a lamb was to be roasted and all of the people in the household were to share this lamb and nothing could be left over. All of it had to be eaten or the rest of it had to be burned. So the children of, of Israel would bring the lamb in, slay the lamb, uh, and then and then eat it. This is exactly the same thing that Jesus did at his Passover Seder that happened to be the night before he died. So they had this incredible meal, and then they celebrated the third cup. Remember, two cups in the beginning, two cups after the meal. But there's something that we haven't yet talked about. This is something called matzah, which is the bread of affliction or the bread of Passover that is unleavened. Early in the meal, 
the father would break the matzah and hide it, um, or hide half of it, I should say. And that would be the dessert for the family. That's how the Jewish seders are, are done even to this day. While the origins of this tradition are shrouded a little bit in mystery, it's still something that's been done uh, for, for ages. And we see something very special that the Messiah, Jesus, did at his Passover Seder. It was the bread after the meal, the last thing that's eaten at the Passover Seder, that our Messiah Jesus took. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't big, fluffy, yeasty rolls. It was matzah, the unleavened bread of Passover. If you ever saw matzah, you would see that it is flat because it has no leaven. And leaven in the scripture represents sin. So this is a bread that has no leaven or no sin. It was striped because all the holes in it that prevent it from baking up uh, are lined up parallel to one another. That stripes. It's got holes in it, and that means it pierced. And there are bake marks on it, and that means it's bruised. So this piece of matzah, this matzah is a perfect representation of Christ. It is a sinless piece of bread. It is sinless. It has been striped. It has been pierced. It has been broken and bruised. That perfectly describes our Messiah according to Isaiah chapter 53. And so when he says, this is my body, he is absolutely referring to the, the unleavened bread of matzah that they were all partaking of that night. But then the third cup comes and everybody knows, and you should know now too, what the third cup was. It's the cup of redemption representing that third promise that God had made in Exodus chapter 6. Everybody knew this was the cup of redemption, but instead of making the traditional blessing over the, over the cup that night, Jesus said something very different. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is ratified by my blood poured out for the sins of many. From now on, when you do this, remember me. So Jesus was himself equating his blood with redemption right there at the Passover Seder because of the traditions that were found within this meal, within this order of service. The third promise of redemption, he now equated with his blood and everybody at that table knew it. The last cup is the cup of praise, the cup of Hallel, but it represents the promise that God would take us to be his people and he would be our God. Jesus says after he takes that third cup, which we also know as communion, that he wouldn't drink of the fruit of the vine again until everything was fulfilled in his father's kingdom. So Jesus never took that fourth cup that represents the completeness of that promise that he would take us to be his people and he would be our God. Why? Because it has not been fulfilled yet. That won't be fulfilled until he comes back for the second time and, and institutes his father's kingdom right here on earth. And what an incredible time that will be. But it has not happened yet. So Jesus didn't partake of that. We, however, have the incredible blessing 
of being able to say that he is our God and we are his people. And if you look at the new covenant that is uh, talked about in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33, the scripture in fact says that the new covenant that God would make is the covenant in which he would take us to be his people and he would be our God. He would forgive our iniquities and remember our sins no more. And that has happened through our faith in Jesus the Messiah. Now, the Jewish people around the world need to know this. They're experiencing this every year during the Passover, but they don't see it. I didn't see it, and I can't tell you the number of Passover seders that I've done in my lifetime before I came to faith. So the reason that Chosen People Ministries exists is to bring this vision to the Jewish people. And that's why this season of the year is such an important season for the Jewish people to hear the gospel. So how can you be a part of this incredible ministry? There are two ways, two principal ways that you can be a part. Number one, pray. We believe the scriptures and the scriptures say that the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. We covet your prayers. I want to give you the opportunity to pray for our ministry and in order to do that you're going to need to go online. You're going to need to sign up for our prayer letter and we will send you every month a prayer letter that will tell you exactly how to pray for the ministry. Additionally in these prayer letters as God provides the blessings we will share with you our praise reports so you can rejoice with us as well. But I'm also going to give you the opportunity to uh, to sow into uh, the ministry of Chosen People Ministries. If you believe that the Jewish people need to hear the gospel and you support that idea and the ministry and the mission of Chosen People Ministries, please show us your support by sowing into, into the ministry. Because of the coronavirus this year, it's been so hard for missionaries to go out and do these meetings in person. And so we're trying to, to, you know, to do these uh, virtual uh, meetings. And, and it's, uh, it's just so important that you show your support. Uh, I'm really counting on you and I'm hoping that the Lord will lay on your heart uh, an amount to give. Once you go online to sign up for our prayer letter, you will, you'll have that opportunity to, uh, to go ahead and, and, and give. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I trust that the Lord will continue to bless you and keep you and that you've been kept already safe and healthy. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the Passover lamb who was slain to take away the sins of the world. Thank you so much. God bless you and shalom.